good today? Is our world crazy? When you look at the world, you're like, what's happening? It feels like there's this shaking going on in the world right now. And I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She was actually in a Nazi concentration camp. But she said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. And if you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. How many of you are like, I need some rest right now? Because it's, it's really hard in here and in here and it's really crazy out there. See, I believe our world is at a tipping point. How many of you have been to a water park and, and maybe you did this, maybe you were a, an unsuspecting parent this happened to, but at the water park, you know, there's like that big bucket, it's filling up with water and the kids are kind of laughing and they'll get under there or they'll bring their friend over, their parent who's unsuspecting and at some point it's like this tipping point where it just boosh, just goes everywhere and they're just getting clobbered by all the water. How many of you have done this or seen this? I love it. It's so awesome. But I think it's kind of where our world is at. It just feels like there's a stirring. There's a shaking in the nations. It feels like something's happening. And we're like, well, how do we make sense of this? And we forget that Jesus said, look, in the end times, it's going to get bad. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. Jesus said all this. See, God has declared the very end at the beginning. From the very beginning, God said, I know how human history is going to happen. I'm in control. I'm sovereign. Let your heart be at rest. Look at me, because if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. And if you look within, you'll be depressed. But look at me, child of God. But what I want to ask you today is how do you look at Jesus how do we be at rest with him? See, I believe our world is at that tipping point, And I believe the time is close that Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? So you didn't expect that with who's your one. What does this Jesus coming again have to do? In James 3, 7, James mentions his glorious appearing, his coming three different times. And in James 7, he says, therefore be patient. Brethren, until the coming of the Lord, James is an apostle, the half-brother of Jesus, and he's speaking to his church that he leads, and he's saying, look, it's tough out there, and it's tough in here. Be patient. The fulfillment of all things is at hand. Guys, it's encouraging to know that despite our circumstances, despite the way the world is headed, despite the opposition, that God is in control and Jesus is coming again. So let me say it again because this shows me that we don't look for his glorious returning. Jesus is coming again. See, we live in crazy times. And if we don't live in the light of his coming or the hope that we have, it's easy to become fearful and confused and ill-prepared. It's easy to let sin creep in and allow our hearts to shift from God. See, when you live in the light of the fact that Jesus could come at any moment, you want to be sure that when he comes, you're doing what he wants, right? It purifies your life. I don't want to be in some place or be doing something or saying something or acting in a way that would be a dishonor to Christ when he comes and he is coming soon. You just look at our world, you know he's coming soon. When James speaks of his coming in the Greek, it means at any moment. He's like, right now, church, get ready. Get yourselves stirred up. Remember what he said, that just as the angel said he ascended, he's coming back. See, the early church, when they would gather together, they had this word that they would use to keep his return ever before their eyes. It's called Maranatha. Have you ever heard of that before? Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. It was the longing of their heart. See, when you were born again, if you're a child of God, he planted a longing for eternity with himself in your heart. But when the flesh consumes, when we look at the world, when we look within, we forget this longing. This is, I want to be at home with my Lord. That this isn't my home. This isn't my residence. I'm passing through. And I've got to live an obedient life because Jesus is coming soon. And the longing of my heart, the blessed hope of my king is coming. See, Jesus is coming back. And it should stir us. And if you feel bad, I'm not trying to condemn you if your heart's not stirred that he's returning and it's imminent and it's soon. Because maybe you've been looking at the world. Maybe you've been looking within and you've forgotten. But child of God, if you're born again and belong to him, that longing for himself to be in our home with our king 
is there and it can come back to you. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. How many of you just tired of sin? You're like, man, my own sin, my own flesh. I'm tired of it. I want to be clothed in, in the full righteousness of Christ when I see him. And, and as I, he sees me, I will finally see him in all his glory. See, we need to plan as if Jesus won't return for another hundred years and live as if he's returning today. Guys, stir yourselves up. We're worshiping this morning and some of us come in here and we're going through the motions, but you have a Savior who deeply loves you, who is for you, not against you, and he's quickly coming. Stir yourselves up away from the world and to your master, to your king, the one who calls himself our brother. Isn't it amazing? Jesus, fully God, would say, you're my brother. You're my sister, and I'm your big brother. He called us friends in John because servants don't know their master's business. We're his friends, and he's seeking you right now. Plan as if he won't return for 100 years, but live as if he's returning today. Listen, we're in this who's your one. God has put it on this church to be about the father's business but if we don't stir ourselves up, if we're just looking at the world, if we're just looking within all the time, not looking out and looking up to Jesus, we'll never fulfill this righteous mission that he's given us. We need to realize that life is fleeting. How many of you know life is fleeting? Brian Germany and I were joking about it because we did the head nod. And we're like, it wasn't because we're trying to be cool. It's because we're old because he can't see me unless he does this. And then my neck's so bad, I'm like this. Life is fleeting. Ever wonder how long your life is in God's eyes? Or maybe why he's so slow in coming? See, we don't live in that expectation because you're like, well, it's already been 2,000 years. Uh, yeah, let's, you know, whatever. But I want to ask you again. Have you ever thought how long your life is, is in God's eyes? Or why he's so slow in coming? Do you remember the scripture in Peter that says, with God, a thousand years is like a day? So you got to not, listen, you know I'll die up here if you don't talk to me. You got to talk to me. Do you remember, and even if you don't, you're like, yep, we remember, Brian. I can't lie, but I'm going to nod my head. To God, a thousand years is like a day. Now listen, he stands outside of time, right? But Peter's trying to say, hey, he sees time. He sees your life so differently than you do. So if a thousand years is like a day, 24-hour day to God, right? That's kind of what Peter's trying to say then how is long is your life to God? So I want you to do this. I want you to get your calculator out on your phone. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your age. Some of you are not doing it. <laughs> Grab your phone. And then after this is over, you're putting it away promptly because then you'll play, I don't know, whatever, Minecraft. But your age divided by 1,000. So your age is divided by 1,000 years. Take that number. It should be like 0 0.046. Brian Lake, would you get, come on, man, let's do this. Get, oh, that's right. You're a mathematician. <laughs> so you got that? 0 0.046 if you're the age 46. Take that number and multiply it by 24. That's 24 hours. And look at your number right there. So if you're 13, your life is like 30 minutes to God. Listen, you spend more time in a drive-thru than you 13-year-olds have been on earth in God's eyes. Isn't that crazy? So I'm 46. That's really young. Thank you. And that's like an hour and 10 minutes to God. That's what my life is to God, an hour and 10 minutes. That's less time than it takes to drive to Universal or anywhere on I-4, right? Or to mow the lawn if you're one of those that like sits after 30 minutes and, you know, just hangs out. Or a Sunday morning service is longer than I've been alive in God's eyes right now. Talk about humbling and eye-opening for those that you did it. See, God's not slow in coming back. Remember the Casting Crown song? I'm a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. See, with that in mind, how are you living your life? How are you living your life? 
Are you so consumed with the stuff inside and the problems and predicaments that you forget to look up and rest in who God is and to look for his glorious appearing? Are you so worried about the world and COVID and pestilence and wars and rumors of war that you forget to look up at Jesus and see that he is in control, that he has a plan, that he's not, oh, I can't believe that war just happened. I can't believe that this, he is in control. So I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture to you today. It would be a very different message for me. But here's my main point. I want to just tell you the point of this message. When we live in light of his return, it gives us an urgency to have his priorities in our lives. His return gets us passionate and motivated, sharing the story of how Christ changed our life. But it also should give us hope. It should give us hope. Some of you need hope. You didn't even come in with hope, and he saved you. You're born again. You have hope to persevere through every circumstance because Christ persevered. Because he had a hope of what he was looking at. He was looking beyond the cross. He was looking at the, the glory that would come in the Father's presence when he was resurrected and ascended on high. You can endure. You can have hope for today. You can have hope for tomorrow. See, when we live in the light of his coming, it changes our outlook and we can endure. So you might be shocked, but there's a lot about his return in the end times just in the New Testament. In fact, most of the Bible is prophecy. It's what sets us apart from every other so-called holy book out there. God has a lot to say about the end. The early church thought about it a lot. And there's two different extremes, right? Paul in Thessalonica, though he was talking about the end times, at the very end he said, hey, there was this group of people, they were just staring up at the sky. They quit working and everything. They're just like waiting for Jesus to come. He's like, don't be idle. Get a haircut. Get a real job. Do something. But see, there's this group over here, and I think this is where we fall into, where you're never thinking about his return. Where we say Jesus is coming, we're like, okay. Where we don't even think about it. And when we don't think about it, we don't think about his priorities. Our outlook is different and we don't see world events and how God is shaking the nations. How he is coming soon. But most of all, we don't prioritize the mission that we've been given. Jesus said, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain. And it does. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And he was talking about his first coming, his first advent. But did you know the context in all the gospels when he says this? Is he's talking about his second coming. See, we're not supposed to set times and dates. But we are supposed to be aware of the signs of his second coming. The early church lived in that awareness. Look at the scripture, 2 Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing and in his kingdom. They had in view his appearing. Or in Titus, this is about the grace of God, Jesus coming, the personification of grace is Jesus. It, grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know if you have hope, but if you're a believer, you always have hope. We have the blessed hope when he will wipe every tear away, when there'll be no pain and no more pain and suffering. You have hope. Get off the floor. Look up at Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. See, we are to wait and have in view the blessed hope, but how many of you know that waiting in God's terms is actually very active? Like when God says to wait, that means get busy and sort of, it's like this roundabout way. It's a posture of the heart that motivates us to do what he wants. Listen to Luke. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. This is in Mark. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. How many of you came in on guard, alert? You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge. Here, this is us. Each with their assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. 
Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Guys, how many of you sleeping in the light? You're a child of the light. You're a child of God, but you're sleeping. You're sleeping. You're caught up in sin. You're looking within. You're depressed. You've lost hope. Wake up. Wake up. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Watch. And speaking of the second coming, Paul says this. So it's been Jesus speaking. Now it's Paul in Thessalonians. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So why are we living in it? So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. There's a miniature army of God, armor of God verse right there. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether you are awake or asleep, the asleep is believers who have gone before us in death. They're just sleeping. They're going to be powerfully raised one day and reunited with us. We may live with him forever. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. So how were they encouraging each other, building each other up? They were saying, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Be awake and sober as children of the day, spreading the good news of Jesus. And 2 Peter says this, and this is a long passage, but pay attention to the word of God. Let it divide your heart. Second Peter 3 says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as, it's, as since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of the time was deluged and destroyed. What's he talking about? The flood in Noah's time. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this, and this is where we got our verse earlier. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And here's what I want you to hear. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What does that mean? It means he wants more to come in. He wants more to know him. He wants us to snatch people out of hell and get them to heaven by telling them about Jesus. He goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people you ought to be. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Now, I want you to remember that sp speeds its coming. Will you say that with me? Speeds its coming. That was not bad. This, you guys always rock it. I love y'all, but let's do it again. This side, speed its coming. That was amazing. I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that. But he says, as we look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. See, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, 
We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, do you hear this imperative that they were looking forward to it? Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patient means salvation. He wants more to come in, guys. He wants us to get to our one. Who's your one? Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. See, notice he's holding back because he's wanting more to come in. And we have to do that. That's us. He wants us to go get them. Tell them about Jesus, the good news of the gospel in Christ. There is a coming judgment. We don't like to talk about it in church, but there is a coming judgment. There is a wrath that will consume the world, the Bible says. But God so loved the world, he wants to save those who will believe in him, in his only begotten son, and be saved from the coming wrath, and have eternal, everlasting life, and always be with him. That's our God and King. Here's the other reason why we need to keep in view the blessed hope. And listen, that's a phrase you need to start saying. I'm waiting for the blessed hope. I got hope. Because the blessed hope is coming, Jesus. Here's the other reason why. Remember I said to speed it's coming. How many of you remember that? I know it was like two seconds ago. But listen, we have short-term memory, okay? In 2 Peter 3.12, he says, we, we are to speed it's coming. And that word is to hasten, hasten. And it, it, the, the Greek word is spoido. And I really wanted to put that there because some of you might read that and say speedo. This is not a biblical justification for wearing a speedo. It's spoido, okay? Sounds Italian like the Godfather, like spoido, what's up? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so the Bible doesn't support this, but let me read this. To cause something to happen soon, to hurry something up, making the day of God come soon or hurrying up the day of God. He says we have to do that. Different versions say, speed it along, work to bring it along, hurrying it up, do your best to make it come soon, work to hasten it along. See, under his sovereignty, under his sovereign will, he has chosen us to be a part of speeding along his coming. This doesn't mean we manipulate history or that God is dependent on us. That's not what it's saying, but it means we are a part of his end time plans that we're a part of speeding it along and we have work to do, our Father's business. Jesus said this, see, how do we speed it along? Obviously, you know what the answer is. Jesus said the gospel will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. Listen, with technology, the gospel is being preached to the whole world. They have little radios that are being made to go to distant tribes that has the gospel in their language. It is happening on our earth right now and we are responsible for our neighbor. We're responsible for our one. He will not come until we do our part because his sovereign will has said, this is how you speed along my will. This is how you hasten the day. You go tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Listen, Jesus said the world is going to get worse. I hate to break it to you. I'm not saying there won't be revival. I'm not saying that nations can't change. God can do anything. God is able. But Satan owns this world system. First John says that, yes, it's my father's world. This is God's world. But there's a world system. There's nation against nation. He's manipulating and lying to the nations. We are going to see increasing things of this. Jesus said this. He said in the end times, it would be like the days of Noah. Remember all that Second Peter said? People will be eating and drinking and getting married. Now, if you just got married, that's what he's not, not saying don't get married. He's just saying it was like in the days of Noah. Life was just normal, but not totally. Because up to the flood of Noah, there was an increase in wickedness. They were calling evil what is good and what is good evil. And Hebrews says Noah was a preacher of righteousness, warning people of the coming judgment. But they were just living life. Eating, drinking, getting married, just living life. Calling good things evil and evil things good. Jesus outlined the signs of the end times. He said there'll be false Christs. Now, for us, we're like, there's not a lot of false Christ in the world. Actually, there really is. We just don't hear about it. Even in Florida, there's a so-called false Christ that claims to be Jesus. That has tons of followers. This is happening at an accelerating rate, accelerating rate. There's wars and rumors of wars. We don't have to look too far in the news to see this. There's earthquakes and famines increasing. 
there's an intense persecution of Christians that we don't ever face it all around the world. It's intense right now for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, Jesus said there'll be false prophets to deceive by performing signs and miracles. He said that there, there'll be pestilence. Well, we kind of already know from the black plague in the past and COVID how that pestilence will increase in the world. Not a fun prospect, right? And this is the scary one to me. In his parables in Matthew 25, he says there'll be a divided church that will no longer listen to sound doctrine. That's scary. And we're living right in this time right now, I believe. See, it can be easy to look out at our world in despair and see that tipping point when it's gonna go. But this is when we gotta look at the blessed hope. This is when we gotta see that Jesus is coming again. It's easy to look at our world or inside in despair. History is at a tipping point. But we can't forget what Jesus said in John 14. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is coming again. He has planted that longing for eternity in, in our hearts. All you have to do is start looking up at him and being at rest again. See, I can't wait for that city, not made with human hands, but by God, for the new garden where God walks with man in intimacy. There's no questioning of did I hear from God or not because we'll hear him to the day we will never be apart from him where he will wipe every tear away, heal all the hurt and pain, where we won't struggle with our flesh and sin anymore. It will be ended where there'll be no more night and in righteousness he will reign and the lamb of God, Jesus, will be our light. It's the longing for the new Jerusalem. When it's finally proclaimed, behold, the tabernacle of God will be with man. But until that day, we are to fight for the souls of men. We are children of the day. We are not to be asleep, and some of you are asleep. There's a spiritual war happening all around us. The battle for the souls of men, women, young and old, youth and children. And in Revelation, this is how they overcame, and this is how we overcome. And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And usually when people quote it, that's all you hear. But the next part is crucial. And they did not love their life when they faced with death. Means they die to themselves. And then when they're faced with death for being a Christ follower, they say, what's my life? My life is in Christ. I'll gladly pledge my head for the gospel. They were witnesses of the gospel. They said, I know him. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You must tell your story of how he saved you. You see, I believe this. One day... The world is going to have this increase of the things we're seeing right now. Satan will try to confuse and cause this great despair to question all truth. We already see it happening, but I believe that there'll be one day up in heaven. I'm just speculating here, okay? When the world is becoming increasingly so wicked and the wars and rumors of wars are happening and pestilence and all these things Finally, one day, the father is going to look over at the son, and he's going to say, son, it's time. And then one day, Jesus, when he hears that call from his father, and I'm just speculating, but he's going to look over an angel, maybe it's Gabriel, and he's going to say, Gabriel, get me my sword. And then he's coming back. And when one breath of, of his word, just one word, he's going to defeat his enemies. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready to the child of God? Are you awake? Are you living a godly life? Are you living holy? Are you a child of the day? Some of you need to get right with God. There's no condemnation. It's simply come back to relationship. Come back and see the time is running out. Jesus stands at the door. Are you ready? Who's your one? Are you hastening the day? Are you speeding along? Are you just ignoring it? What God is calling this church to do and who's your one? You're like, that's somebody else. 
I'm too fearful, I can't do it. We are to hasten the day of his coming. Tell them your story. I was broken, I was depressed, Jesus rescued me. Tell them the gospel of how he died for their sins, the simple message. And maybe today you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're at home watching and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I wanna ask you something, are you ready? If he came back right now, are you ready to stand before the judge so you can be ready by letting him reign in your life? Jesus told a parable, and there was a group in that time. In the parable, they said, we do not want you to reign over us. Maybe that's where you've been. But today, you're like, I want him to reign and rule in my life. Will you pray and give your life to the Lord right now? Will you bow your head and close your eyes? There's no magic formula, nothing like that. It's simply, if God is knocking on the door of your heart, will you just say, Lord, reign in me, save me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Forgive all my sin. And I receive you as Lord and Savior. I give you the right to rule and reign in my life. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Band, you can come up. I should have called them a lot longer, but I was preaching. Are you ready? Are we a church? Is the bride ready? You know, in Revelation, it says that the spirit and the bride say, come. Is the bride ready for the bridegroom? Because he's coming. The Jewish wedding when the bridegroom would be apart from the bride and then he would announce it with the trumpet and he would come to get his bride. Are you looking so within and at your circumstances that you've forgotten the blessed hope? Are you looking at the world in despair? Shake ourselves. We gotta shake ourselves and come alive in Christ. You're a child of the day. You're not a child of the night. We're to be living in a holy and blameless way in Christ Jesus. So as the band is playing, maybe some of you need to come bow. Maybe you need to come to Next Steps, talk to one of us over there. We wanna pray over you. Maybe you just wanna like, man, I just need to commit my life to him again. I just need to say, Jesus, I've lived like you're not coming back and it's time. Because I realize time is running out, people. Time is running out. Jesus is coming again. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your son, I thank you for your victory on the cross. I thank you defeated death in the grave and for your resurrection. I thank you that we're justified by your blood, by your grace alone, in Christ alone. Father, I thank you for your glory that is coming to this earth. Thank you, God, for your son, the king. And Lord, we await, we have in view his appearing. We desire the Lord, the desire of our hearts. Jesus, you're the desire of our hearts. The bride says, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Holy Spirit, move in this place upon the hearts of man. In Jesus' name, amen. Shout your 
inspired by the St. Patrick's Prayer. So let me just read part of this to you. It's really simple. It's really easy, but it says, Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, 
Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. And it's this idea that Christ is the thing, <laughs> right? There is nothing else that we should be focused on. In John, Jesus talks about this a lot where he says, the Father and I are one. Me and the Father are one. If you believe in me, then you believe in the Father. If you're in me, then you're in the Father. And when I leave, I'm going to send a helper that leads you to me. So right now in this room with us is the Spirit. And we sit with him. And we focus and we think and he leads us to Christ. He brings us to the feet of Christ so that we can get to the Father. So as, once, as the song talks about grace, it's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Son of God who came, even though he didn't have to, came to the earth, obedient to the end. Even when he didn't want to, obedient to the end died on a cross for our sins so that we would have grace and not only grace but grace abundantly so that even when I look at myself and I see how broken and how dirty and how evil that I am God still makes me good not through my own strength not through my own effort but be, but from my surrender to him through his strength and through his goodness through his greatness so we're going to sing that bridge one last time I just want you to close your eyes. Imagine you're in the throne room of God. And let's sing this. says in Romans that we should see the glory of God all around us all the time because it's plain to our eyes and yet there are so many times when we forget and we get in this this moment of uncertainty and doubt and we fall but father this morning let us look all around us look at look at every single piece of our lives I look just to the youth and I see the amazing things that you do in their lives. And so many times we are so blinded. We have these, we have these blinders on that focus us towards the wrong things. But God, this morning, allow us to strip those off our eyes so that we can see exactly what it is that you want from us, exactly what it is that you're showing us this morning so that we can walk in what you want us to walk in, so that we can be the people that you want us to be this morning and forever, God, so that we can grow in you. It's not about how hard I work, but it's how hard I surrender and let go. 
Father, I want to let go this morning so that you can take over because your ways are infinitely better than my ways because I can try for the rest of my life and even if I think I did everything perfectly, it's still going to pale in comparison to what you have for me. And so God, I just pray that you take over this morning. Maranatha, even so come this morning. Whether that means in this moment right now or preparation for the future, whatever that looks like for you, God. We want to be ready. Yeah, continue to me pray. Amen. You guys, you guys can take a seat. to bring it along. Baggage started off big, but it got smaller, portable. Now one person can carry more than ever. Important stuff like clothes, toiletries, fancy little dogs, you know, necessities. But what's amazing is how much stuff we drag around that we don't need and don't like. Things that trip us up, wear us out, and box us in. Stuff like anger. What is wrong with you? Addiction. Overeating. <gasps> and overspending. It was amazing. They had such great sales. I couldn't believe it. We carry around past relationships. I don't know what I ever saw in you. I didn't even dress well. Gosh. Worry. Unforgiveness. And selfishness. I think that's a great idea, don't you? I love it. It makes us ask questions like... Why did I do that? Or how did I get here? And what is wrong with me? Because this stuff is heavy. It's bulky. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It makes everything in life harder, especially relationships. You might not know where it came from or how you got it, but there's only one way to deal with baggage. Throw it down. Drop it. Just let go. Sounds easy, but it's not. You carry something long enough, it feels like a part of you. You walk away, but a minute later, it's back in your hand. Baggage is tricky like that. You gotta keep dropping, keep throwing, keep letting go, so you can take hold of something better. God's best for your life. And for that, you're going to need both hands. Celebrate recovery. Real help for life's baggage. Meeting soon at a church near you. Amen. If y'all knew how hard this is to get up here and talk in front of everybody, it, it's uh, for me, it's... it's my anxiety, my heart feels like it's about pounding through my chest right now. Hi, I'm Tommy. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has victory over alcohol, drugs, tobacco, rejection, and I struggle with sexual addiction. Thank you. You know, this baggage... Um, Nine years ago, if you'd have asked me if I was a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and what my name was, I wouldn't have been able to tell you my name was Tommy, and I'm a grateful believer. I was an alcoholic, I was a cheater, and I was an addict. But this, God has taken most of that baggage from me, and I am so grateful. Amen. Some of the... The, the baggage I carried around, the big, I felt like that guy that was just swallowed up by, by those suitcases. I had so much garbage in my life. Uh, up and until two years ago, when I was finally able to admit and come clean 
that I had cheated on my wife nearly our entire marriage. God took that baggage from me, and I am so grateful, so grateful. Good morning, everyone. My name is Debbie, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. Um, I actually have 26 and a half years over methamphetamine addiction. I have victory over control of my household. I have victory over um, some low self-worth issues that I had, low self-esteem. Um, I struggle with food, and we have a meeting for that, but that's getting easier too. Right now, um, I'm struggling in my faith at times, and my son is in the Navy, so I struggle with uh, letting go of all that. Um, but he's a big boy now, he's not five. Um, this last November, I was able to take my one-year chip, meaning I worked my steps for a year and got over the infidelity in our marriage. <laughs> Tommy and I started we had gone to, started going to celebrate recovery back in Texas. We came from Texas, and we um, both had gone through a step study, I'd have to say, from 2011 and 2012. When we first had decided to go to celebrate recovery, I had sent Tommy because Tommy had all the issues, and of course I had none. <laughs> I was the sweet little wife at home, which is baloney. Um, I might be sweet, but not always. <laughs> um, not always. And then I started realizing that I had issues, and then that's how I ended up in my first step study. And I'm in my third step study right now. And in my first step study, we walked together through the alcoholic and those kinds of issues. In my second step study, is when I had to deal with everything that was going on as far as the infidelity went. Because Tommy had told me for years there, no, he had not been cheating, but in my mind and in my heart and my gut told me that's a lie. So until he was actually ready to face it himself, I had my own struggles. And it helped at the Celebrate Recovery that I was at when we were in Texas because I was with other women who were walking that same walk. And that's one of the best things about Celebrate Recovery is that you walk with people who have walked beside you. They've already gone through that. They've already gone down the alcoholism and the drugs and control. <clears throat> There's just so many issues that people can walk alongside you with. So like I said, this last November, I was able to take that chip. And it was for a specific woman who was actually not just an affair. She was actually in our life. And um, it, it, took, it took a lot. It took a lot for me to get through that. And my sisters and my accountability partners and my sponsor got me through a lot of that. Um, I'm currently now in my third step study. And we are just now starting our inventory. And let me just say that inventory, when you inventory, you go through all your past and you bring to light the things that you struggle with, your triggers, what sets you off, and that's how you heal. You get to the absolute root. So I've been through my step study twice now, so I've gone through an inventory a couple of times. But this time, as I'm going through step study, I'm realizing what's coming to the surface now is the different issues and things that I might have had with my son, Nick, I was 35 when I had Nick, almost 36. So I treated that child like a baby for most of his life. And Tommy and I fought throughout our marriage most of our life. So I'm struggling with what have I done and have we raised him to be the man that he's supposed to be? So that's, um, that's a lot to carry. That's definite baggage. But Celebrate Recovery has brought Tommy and I to one of the best marriages we have ever had. And we Amen. just celebrated 25 years married, Amen. February 14th. Amen. Amen. 
You know, uh, so many people have a misconception of what Celebrate Recovery is. Uh, Derek, thank you for, for that message this morning. Uh, we are all broken, and, but we, you can find healing through Celebrate Recovery, I, I promise you. Uh, we, we have a six-week challenge that we do in Celebrate Recovery, and we promise you if God doesn't change something in your life after those six weeks, we will refund your misery. It's free to you. <laughs> You know, uh, come see us on, on, on Friday nights. You know, uh, so many people think that Celebrate Recovery is, is about being a drug addict or an alcoholic. It's not. There's so many more things. Um, let me just read a, a few of these pamphlets we, we keep back in, new, in, in Next Steps. Adult children of family dysfunction. Love and relationship addiction. Mental health. Freedom from anger on how many of us struggle with that. <laughs> Food and body image issues, codependent women and men, and codependent women in a relationship with a sexually addicted man. You know, it, it goes on and on, folks. Uh, you know, if you've got any questions about Celebrate Recovery, come over and see us at, in Next Steps. Um, you know, we'd be happy to talk. For, for those of you that are afraid, to come, they, you're still carrying that mask, I assure you that God will take that mask off of you and it will not be at the most opportune time for you. Trust me. Um, so, yeah. And the thing about Celebrate Recovery, um, it's confidential. Confidentiality and anonymity are our main priorities when we are here. If we see you in the store, I'm not going to run up to you and say, I saw you. It's a, you, know, we don't, you don't do that. You just, hi, it's good to see you. See you again soon. It's, it's, it's personal. It's private. But it's also a release. It's also healing. Dump the baggage. It's, it's all that. It's all that and more. Definitely. And if you're afraid to come to Celebrate Recovery here at TBA Church, there's many in the community. Um, if you're afraid that somebody might see you here that, that you don't want to see, Get a hold of me. I'll take you to another Celebrate Recovery uh, throughout the community. Uh, I'll walk this walk with you. So uh, saying that, I just wanted to, one of our, one of our uh, principles that we say, and this is, I want you to think about this as a prayer. Uh, I was looking at this last night, and, and it hit me uh, really different. So let me close with this. This is uh, Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense, offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Yeah. Celebrate Recovery is awesome. You guys should go check it out if you, if you feel the need to do that. So thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, there's not a lot of churches that would share like this, amen? So give them props for sure for, for what they do, for how they lead, and how uh, they're, they're showing an example of that. So thank you guys so much. Let me pray, and we'll get out of here. Thank you, God, so much for today and for your guidance and for your... Uh, you're just way of showing us exactly who you are at the right time. And so God, as we leave today, remind us that our mission is to be Christ in this world, is to show people what you look like and, and how we can uh, give them more of you, God, and introduce them to you, not so that we can change them, but so that you can interact with them and you can change them and they can surrender to you as well. And so God, just show us that as we go out into the world today. Thank you so much for this morning and what you're going to continue to do throughout this week and next week and, and beyond. Um, God, I, I just, I love you so much and I'm so thankful that, um, that you've given me a church like this that, that is continuing to, um, to just love on you and to do what you've asked them to do. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Make sure you go see the Flemings over at Next Steps.
shape the 